You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. The message I titled, for lack of a better title, Geriatric Giants, um, and you'll see why in a moment. But the message is about a man by the name of Abram, and if you like to follow along in your Bibles, I sure invite you to do that, to keep me honest, to the scriptures. Uh, the message will be taken from Genesis chapter 11, verses 27 through chapter 12, verse 5. And we're going to take a look at Abram. I, I like the name Abram. My son's name is Elijah. Um, he's sitting over there. But when he was born, my wife was in labor for some time, and we had not decided on a name for him. Um, I tossed around, and she tossed around the, una- the name Uriah, based on the Bible uh, person, Uriah the Hittite. But we both thought maybe people would make fun of him because they don't know who that is. And I wanted to name him Abram, uh, because he's an a- Abram, that's why. Um, but my wife uh, said, yeah, well, that's not, so we decided, we settled on Elijah, uh, you know, <laughs> and uh, she was the one in labor, so. Um, but praise God, we want to look at Abram. Abram's name means exalted father. That was the name he was given at birth. God changes his name to the name of Abraham, which means father of a multitude. Let's read about him. Uh, Genesis chapter 11, verse 27. The Bible gives us a little bit of his back history. It says, now these are the generations of Terah. And Terah begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran begat Lot. And Haran died before his father Terah in the land of his nativity in Ur of the Chaldees. And Abram and Nahor took them wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Iscah. But Sarai was barren, and she had no child. And Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran his son's son, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth with them from the Ur of Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan, and they came unto Haran and dwelt there. And the days of Terah were two hundred and five years, and Terah died in Haran. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing." And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And so Abram departed, as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. Praise God for his word. The Bible says in verse 4, and this is the verse that struck me here as I studied this a a few weeks ago. The Bible says in verse 4 that God called Abram out, and Abram departed when he was 75 years old. 
He is a prime example, besides being what we would, many of us, term the father of our faith. He's a prime example of a man that God used to accomplish things in his old age. All of us have been blessed as children, many of you, singing the song, Father Abraham. How many of you have sang that song before? Father Abraham has many sons. Have many sons has what? Father Abraham, I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord, right hand, right? <laughs> we, we know Abraham is, is described to us as a father of our faith. Although the Jewish nation comes out of him, he was actually a Gentile. There were no Jews when he was called. And he was called as an older man, 75 years old. He had a barren wife. And what's hard for us as Americans, especially to understand, is that God values people in their old age. We live in a nation and in a country that is obsessed with youth. Most of us have been struggling in our lives to accomplish things or buy things that are new. Now, I drive an 86 Chevy pickup, and I own an 88 Chevy Suburban, and I thank the Lord for people like Marty. Um, Marty used to work at a parts store, and I was taught that you, you fix it if it breaks down. Uh, probably because we grew up poor. But I think God is, is pleased by that because he fixes broken things. That's what he's in the business of doing. Um, when I look around here, I would probably um, say that all of you, myself included, are broken. And we require that God would use us even in our brokenness. In the case with Abram, he was 75 years old, and God decides to use him. Now, we as Americans use horrible words to describe those that are elderly. Words like, and I used it already in my message, geriatric. Over the hill. Past their prime. Codgers. How many of you have heard that term? Senile. Old farts. <laughs> Old coots. Geezer. I grew up on an acreage. I, I enjoy farm animals, but I've never understood the use of these two terms. Long in the tooth. Now, that's a, that's a phrase described to describe an old horse, not a man. But we use it to refer to older people. Put out to pasture. We don't have words like this to describe those that are young in our country. Derogatory terms. We use them to describe the elderly. We don't use, very often, words like faithful, experienced, wise, or proven. And I think that needs to change, especially amongst believers. We have in our, our churches this attitude that's happened because of the world that we live in, that somehow when we reach a certain age, we can't be as useful to God as we once were. And by showing you Abram's life, I hope that the Lord would change that attitude if, if you have that attitude. The first point of the message here is that our God, the ageless God, is not an ageist. He does not limit our ability to serve him based on our age. He is an infinite, holy, everlasting God able to use older people. 
In the case of Abram, I want to go through a few things that Abram uh, was commanded to do when God called him out. The Bible says here that God called him out at 75 to move from a town called Haran, which was north of the Canaan land. And prior to that, he had to move from a town called the Ur of Chaldees. The distance between Ur and Canaan, they had to go north and then they had to go south. The distance, the entire distance was six to 700 miles that he had to travel. Now you could say, well, why did he go north to south? I put on that PowerPoint a map. I don't know if you can get to that there. But they had to go north following the river and south because there was this large desert called the Wilderness of Sin in between. You can see it there on that map. And back in those days, you couldn't fly over a desert or, or take a vehicle through the desert. You had to do this thing on foot. And so he went north and then south, a distance of six to 700 miles. It would be similar to you or to me deciding at 75 years old that we're going to take a walk with our barren wife to Texas on foot. And of course, he didn't just have to do this by himself and just he and his wife. The Bible says here in verse 5 that he brought a multitude of people with him that he was responsible for. His spoiled nephew Lot. He brings with him. He brings all of the animals that they would have to bring. On the way there, of course, they couldn't live in homes or, or they couldn't check out in a motel. In the book of Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, I'll read it to you. It says, Hebrews eleven eight that it says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into the place which he should receive after inheritance, obeyed, went out, knowing not where he went. And by faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles. Now, how many of you here know what a tabernacle is? That's a tent. And so here you've got this 75-year-old elderly man with a barren wife, with a bunch of responsibility, taking all of the possessions that he had, deciding to live in a tent as he travels to Texas on foot. Now, just imagine that for a second. 75. How many of you have ever taken a walk with your wife? What's the longest distance you've traveled with your wife? On foot. Most of us don't go over a mile because by that time we run out of things to say. That's the truth. Imagining traveling with your wife and being at peace with her and she with you for over 700 miles. That was the first challenge that he faced when God called him out from Ur of Chaldees, then to Haran, and then down into Canaan land. The second challenge he faced is that the Bible says that he had to move away from his kindred. It says here in verse 1, And now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house. Now, when I was about 22 years old, my wife and I were newly married. We didn't have a very good job. We ran out of money, and so we came back. I was over at the time at South Dakota. She was from Michigan, and we didn't have any money, and so we came back to Mason City. Guess why we came back to Saragoda County? Because we have kindred here. When you run out of money and don't have anything, where do you go? You go to your family. In this case... Abram not only was called out to go from the country that he grew up in, but he was called away from the family that he grew up with. You say, well, why was that the case? Well, in the book of Joshua, chapter 24, verse 2, we read a little bit about Abram's dad. The Bible says in Joshua 24, 2, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in the old times, even Terah, the father of Abraham, the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. You see, Abram's family was much like probably some of your families 
And my family, see, see, they were Gentiles, they were pagans, they were idol worshipers. Archaeologists have dug up the town of Ur in Chaldees. It's in that area, Fertile Crescent, we, near Iraq, where Iraq is right now. And in digging up that town, they've discovered archaeological evidence of a large ziggurat there, or a ziggurat. Does anyone know what that is? Basically, that's a fancy name for a pyramid or a large altar. And it was a massive altar constructed to a false moon god who, interestingly, the name of the moon god's name was Sin. This is where we get the term. If you look in the Bible maps in the back of your Bible, you'll see that the wilderness of sin. Now, most of us, if you grew up in America, you think that's because when the Israelites were in that wilderness, they sinned. And so that's why it was called that. Well, no, that's not why it was called that. It was called that because the name of that desert was named after this false moon god called sin. Matter of fact, Mount Sinai was named after that same false god. And Abram's dad, Terah, was a rampant idolater. Now, this is not the Bible. This is just from histories that have been gathered. The Bible, all of it's true, every word, every jot and tittle. But from the histories that we gathered and from the mythos around Abram's dad, it's understood that he probably ran an idol shop. And what precipitated his move to Haran was the fact that in some time or form because of Abram's faith, something happened with the idol shop. It was burnt down and they had to move. Now, I don't have any way of proving or disproving that. This is just from archaeological type of evidence. The country in which he came from worshipped the sin god whose, whose symbol was a crescent moon. And that false god supposedly gave rise to another false god named Ishtar, a false god of the sun whose symbol was a star. And even today now you have nations such as Libya, Algeria, Azerbaijan, Pakistan, Malaysia, Singapore, who use a crescent moon and a star on their flags. That's from a former pagan religion, which that pagan religion might be dead, but we know idol worship is all over the place. My point here in mentioning all of this is not just to give you a bunch of useless historical knowledge, but for you to understand that at 75 years old, Abram had to choose to leave his family and in so doing had to choose to leave idolatry. As an elderly man, he chose to battle a sin in his life. And sometimes growing up in a Christian home and, and, and learning about Christ as a young man or a young woman and then going to church, we somehow think that the older folks, they have it figured out and there's nothing for them no longer to work on or for God to change in their lives. But I'm finding out the older that I get, the more and more I realize how many sins in my life God wants to wage war against. And he desires that I make a change and repent and turn more and more closer to him so that before I go to glory each day, I'm made more and more like his son. And so the challenge here this morning is for, for you, if, if you are elderly or feel elderly, that, that God desires to make changes in your life still. He desires that you would grow more and more in grace. And we see that in the life of Abram. He was called out as an older man. Second point, Psalm 92, verses 13 through 14. I, I think I 
Had you put it there? Yeah. If we could read that together as a congregation, could you read this with me? It says, those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. I see that. Now, I know most of you, you're old and you read that and all you heard is when you're old, you get fat. <laughs> but that's not the only thing it says. Prior to that, it says that they shall bear what? Fruit. That if you're indwelt with the Holy Spirit of God, that if Jesus Christ has, has made an impact in your life, that even in your old age, you bear fruit. And the second point of the message here today is that God will use the aged saint to accomplish great and mighty things. And I want to give you three biblical examples besides the example of Abram where God used aged men and women to accomplish great things. The first is the example of Moses. Moses, we know at 40, was in, e in Egypt, a basic, what we would call, I suppose, a prince or a higher person in Egypt because he was found in that little basket by an Egyptian ruler. But at 40, he kills another Egyptian and is forced to flee to the desert where he became a lowly shepherd. And then, of course, we know that he ran into God does anyone know when he ran into God at that burning bush how old he was? Exodus chapter 7 verses 1 and 2 says this, And the Lord said unto Moses, See, I have made thee a God, made thee a God to Pharaoh, and Aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet, and thou shalt speak all that I command thee, and Aaron thy brother shall speak unto Pharaoh, that he send the children of Israel out of the land. Verse 6, And Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded them, so did, they did. And Moses was fourscore years old. That's old English for saying that he was four score, as in a score is 20 years, four score, 80. He was 80 years old. God was unable to use Moses at 40, wanted to use him when he was 80. And I partially believe it's because he spent 40 years roaming around that desert where God knew the Israelites would have spent 40 years roaming around again. God chose to use Moses to deliver Israel at 80. Another man that I, I, I look up to and will enjoy speaking to when we get to glory is a man by the name of Caleb. How many of you know about Caleb? Caleb, the story about Caleb, we have numerous accounts of Caleb. One is from Numbers chapter 13. He was one of the, the judges, or not the judges, the spies that Moses sent out to spy out the land of Canaan when they were in the wilderness, to spy out the land flowing with milk and honey. And so, so Moses sent uh, Caleb and Joshua and these other spies, a, a spy from each of the tribes of Israel into the land. And when the, the, the spies saw this land flowing with milk and honey, they saw it was just as God had described. It was fruitful and it was prosperous and a, and a, and a good place to start up. And it was so prosperous and fruitful that the men had to bring grapes back. You remember the story. They brought grapes back and it took two men to carry one cluster of grapes. I don't even remember reading that story in the Bible. Now these grapes must have been the size of softballs. I mean, seriously, I believe what the Bible says. It was a, either a large amount of grapes on one cluster or there were large grapes. It's interesting, grapefruit get that name because they grow like grapes. Did you know that? That's why they've got the little welts on the side of them. But anyway, 
So Joshua and Caleb, they come back from, from spying out this land, and of course, they give a good report. Let's read about uh, Caleb's frustration, though, because his brothers, what kind of report did they give? A bad one. Because they're afraid of the giants. Remember that? Those folks in that land are like, they, they make us look like grasshoppers. I want to read a passage of scripture about Caleb from Joshua 14. Joshua 14, it says in verse 7, 40 years old was I, this is Caleb speaking, 40 years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But holy, I followed the Lord my God, and Moses swear on me that day, saying, Surely the land wherein thou feedest trodden shall be thine inheritance, and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years. So now, Caleb, he's speaking this, and he's not forty anymore, he's what? He's eighty-five. He's been in the desert with Joshua for the last 45 years. They've seen all of the people that were their age die. Because the only ones God kept alive were those two faithful ones, Joshua and Caleb. And so he's 85 years old. How many think that's pretty old? Raise your hand. I'm, I'm not, not to make an example. Raise your hand if you are 85 and you're here today. Arv, I talked to you earlier. Praise God. He pastored a church in North Dakota. Praise the Lord. 85 years old. Caleb's 85 years old. So now they're approaching the promised land. He's 85 years old and he's speaking about his heart, what God had put on his heart. And let me read to you what, what God put on his heart. It says, verse 10, and now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these 40 and five years, even since the Lord spake unto the word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, and now lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. I'm 85 years old. As yet, I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. And my strength was then, even so to my strength now, for war to both go out and to come in. Caleb says, I'm stronger this day in the Lord than I was when I was 40. I'm 85 years old and, and the Lord is working in my life and is stronger in me this day than when I was 40. What's his desire? Verse 12 says, now therefore give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardst in that day how the Anakims were there. Now, anyone know who the Anakims are? The Anakims are the Nephilim. These are the race of giants that sired Goliath. Now, Goliath of Gath, we read about Goliath of Gath because that's the, the, the giant that David, he took his head off. You guys remember him? Nine foot, six inches tall. You say, why was he in Gath? We're going to get to that in a moment. These men were huge men. And the Israelites, when Caleb was 40, saw him and they were scared. Now, Caleb's 85. How many of you are strong at 85 physically as you are at 40? Listen to Caleb's heart. Now, therefore, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou hast heard that in the day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fence. If so be, the Lord be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out. 
as the Lord said, and Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, Hebron for an inheritance. Caleb at 85 says, I have not gotten too old. The Lord's just as strong in me today as he was even stronger than when I was 40. You give me that land of giants, I'm going to kick their tail and get them out of there. They scared my people long enough. And I'm going to defeat those giants with the Lord with me. I'm going to defeat that thing. And I'm going to take that area. And some of you out here today are 75 and 85, and you're still struggling with some of them same sins that us young people struggle with, and we don't know if we can get over them. But you need to take that giant on with the strength of the Lord, and he gives you victory over that giant, and you take that mountain, because he promised that for us. You cannot limit the ageless God because of your age. I like Caleb. Third example, New Testament, a gal by the name of Anna. My daughter's name is Anna, partially because of this passage of scripture. Luke chapter two. There's this gal by the name of Anna and she's in the temple. Now, the temple is different than when we think of a temple, we think, well, that's the church building. Well, it's a little bit different than that. In this case, Herod's temple was this massive Massive thing. And the Jews, based on the Old Testament orders that they have been given, handed down to them from God through Moses, and, and they had this whole procedure in the temple. The priests had to even take shifts to take care of all the things going on in the temple. There was an altar that always had to be burning so they could offer the daily sacrifices. How many of you have ever tried to burn an animal, a raw animal? Yeah. It takes quite a fire. And so wood had to be brought in. The ashes had to be removed. All these, without the, the uh, use of running water like we have, like we just turn on the faucet to get water. They had to bring fresh water every day for the big basins and everything in the temple. All the priests in the temple. My, my point in saying this is that the temple back in these days when, when we read about Anna is not like the church building today. After the services and everything, you guys will leave and probably lock the keys to the door here and then there won't be anyone here probably. The temple in those days, they, it was milling with the faithful all the time. People were sleeping in the temple. There were places to stay. Anyway, Anna is in the temple. And Jesus had been circumcised the eighth day when he was a baby. And then after Mary was, was declared clean because she had given birth, of course, to him, she brings the baby Jesus to the temple and runs into this gal. Luke 2, verse 36, it says, And there was one Anna a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. And she was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about four score and four years. So now let's just put this in terms we can understand. She got married. Her husband was alive with her for seven years. He passed away. She became a widow and then was a widow for another 84 years. Now, if she got married at 15, that would make her 106 years old. She's old. I suppose if she existed in our society today, none of us would even pay attention to her. There may be a, a newspaper blib on her 107th birthday people would send that person cards, but none of us would even consider that that gal could do anything. She's in the temple. 
It says she was a widow about fourscore and four years and departed not from that temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. Now, some of you here are older and can't get around anymore like you used to. Some of you lose the ability even to jump in a car and drive somewhere. And maybe even today had to go ask some other brother or sister in Christ to bring you here. And you think, well, what can I do for the Lord? This woman was fasting and praying night and day. Praise God for people like that. And so she's in the temple, and, the, and, and Mary's bringing Jesus into this temple. And it says here in verse 38, And she coming in that instance gave thanks likewise unto the Lord, and then this is the part that stands out to me, and spake of him, spake of Jesus, to all them that looked for the redemption in, Israel, in Jerusalem. Now I want you to think about this for a second. 33 years later, those same Jewish peoples will be crying out, crucify him. The same people that are in that temple. But here you've got this 106-year-old gal saying, there's a redeemer. That's who I've been praying to and praying about. I've been waiting for him coming. And she becomes the first evangelist in the New Testament. 106 years old. I like Anna. Name my daughter Anna. Your physical limitations cannot limit your prayer life. This lady didn't go anywhere but church, but she prayed all the time. We need more women like this. Became the first one to testify publicly about the Redeemer. Abram, 75 years old. Moses, 80 years old. Caleb, 85 years old. Anna, over 100, faithful in their old age. How old are you guys? One last point. Genesis chapter 12, where we started, verses 2 and 3. How many of you have ever asked the Lord, let's be honest here, why am I still here? You see the way the world is going? You see the evil that, that, that has arisen in our world? You see people involved with things that, that you remember your grandparents never had to struggle with? You see countries fall away from God. You know you're redeemed. You know Jesus Christ paid for all your sins. You know you've got a mansion. He's prepared for you in heaven. And how many of you, as you, as you live in this world today, you start thinking to myself, why am I still here, Lord? Just take me home. Just take me home. How many of you, let's be honest, how many of you had that thought? And of course, it gets worse as your teeth start to struggle. Uh, you know, some of you maybe don't have teeth or you struggle with that and your bones don't work like they used to and you can't get three hours decent sleep at night because you got to go to the bathroom and you got to, right? And, and you got medication you got to take and then it gets more expensive and then you got to go to the hospital all the time. And as a believer, we know that God has prepared for us a new body and we know that there's a mansion in heaven and we know that there we can, we can walk with the Lord, like really just physically see him, right? But he's still got you walking by faith and you ask the Lord sometimes amidst this misery called, called life down here sometimes, why am I still here? Abram 75, his wife is barren. I'm sure he's asked that question too. 
We get the answer in the Bible here. Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. God's promise to Abram. And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Why are you still here? Why is Abram still here? Why does he still have a wife that's barren? Because God had a plan. And I'm glad God had this plan for my soul's sake. He's going to take this barren woman. And this barren woman is going to bear a child. And his, his name's going to be Isaac. And that boy is going to have another son. He's going to have a twin brother that's Harry. But he's going to have another son. And that boy's name is going to be Jacob. And his name is going to be changed to Israel. And Israel's going to have 12 boys. And out of that 12, there's going to come a line of people all the way down. There's going to be one of them boys rise up there. He's going to be named David out of that generation. Remember? And then all of a sudden, there's going to be a line from the tribe of Judah rise out in a little town called Bethlehem. And he's going to be born. And the Redeemer of Israel is going to come down. He's going to pay for your sin and my sin. He's going to open heaven wide open for us so we don't have to do anything for our salvation but believe and trust in him. Hallelujah. And in Abram's life, in his old life, God blessed him with more years. Why did he give him more years? So he could bless others. And the reason I believe that God has many of us as believers still on this planet, still sucking up his air and taking up room down here, is because he desires that you, even in your old age, be a blessing to others. Make me a blessing, Lord. Make me a blessing. Now, last week, many of us remembered or celebrated Memorial Day. 75 years ago, this coming Thursday, June 6, 1944. Anyone know what that date is? June 6, 1944, a bunch of 18 and 19-year-old boys got on these large metal duck boats called Higgins boats and got dumped off in the ocean and approached the beaches of Normandy. They stacked themselves 36 men tight. The front of these duck boats made by this guy from down in Louisiana would open up where they would offload right into enemy fire. A few days from now, we'll celebrate the 75th anniversary of what we call D-Day. I'm going to ask you some real simple question. If you were one of those 18 or 19-year-old unexperienced soldiers approaching a field of battle, do you want with you another 18 or 19-year-old soldier, or do you want that salty, pot-bellied sergeant? The one who had seen battle already. Which one do you want with you? See, our world, we think somehow, even in churches, that somehow God's building a basketball team when he's building a church. That all that really matters is the young people. And they do matter. But God has not called us to play basketball. He's called us to be in a spiritual war. 
Those young men on D-Day, if you would ask them who they wanted by their side, I guarantee you to a T, all those 18 and 19 year old boys said, I want that old sergeant. I want that one that's been through battles. I want him to lead me on this field of battle. To those of you here, believers, that have known Jesus longer than I have been alive, I want you to lead me on that field of battle. You have walked with Christ for decades. You have struggled with sins I don't even know about yet. You've proven through God's faithfulness that he can give you victory over those things. And we need those that think they're too old to do anything to lead us in that field of spiritual battle. We need Abrams and we need Moseses and we need Caleb's and Lord, we need more Anna's. As God builds his church and builds his kingdom, he has called all of us, young and old, to battle. Praise God, he's not done using us. He's not done making us a blessing to other people. Let's pray. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for the truth of your word. Help us, Lord, in our weakness, in our flesh not limit your ability and your power to use us in the spiritual battleground. Lord, I want you, through your spirit, to encourage the saints that are here, both young and old, that you are with us, will never leave us nor forsake us, that you have called us to do things that we don't think possible. But Lord, we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. Lord, for those of us here that consider ourselves elderly, aged, worn out. Lord, help us purpose in our hearts today that we would rather burn out for you than rust out. And Lord, for those of us that are younger, help us not discredit the spiritual warfare that's been undertaken by those saints that have gone before us. And we look to them and look to you, Lord, for guidance in this realm of battle. Ultimately, Lord, so you get the glory. So other men and women on this planet might know that Jesus saves and that in him is victory. We thank you, Lord, for your holy and blessed word. In Christ's precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.